Yes, all are now again Indians are very welcome to the Irish in Sweden podcast and through the blinds I can see the blue in the sky despite the fact that it's late on Sunday evening here as I'm putting the finishing touches to your podcast landing up there at 7 o'clock on Monday morning in the first week of June ladies and gentlemen and sure isn't this just the best time to be living in Sweden not least because Monday this week uh, you may not be listening to this and Monday gets put out, so you'll be wondering what the hell's your man on about. Uh, it is the 5th of June tomorrow, as this would be landing in your favourite podcast app. It could be Pod Addicts, it could be Spotify, could be wherever that you're listening to this. Just click on the old subscribe button and you'll be able to listen to it every week. But uh, this is what the Swedes call a clem dog, right? A squeeze day. And that usually happens when you have a bank holiday on either a Tuesday or a Thursday. And the good people of Sweden go, well, what's the point? working on Monday or Friday of that week should we just have ourselves an old squeeze day and some of them will get it for annual leave a bit of annual leave in a day's holidays or that and some will say right all that work that um I was doing during the winter when it was dark and nobody gave a shit. I'm going to take that as time off in you now. So this part of the year, it's sort of April, May, you know, from Easter and Volbor in the 1st of May and that kind of thing. You have all these lovely bank holidays and squeeze days thrown in there. And then, of course, you're coming into the long summer holidays, which is only a few weeks away. And I'm sure that there's many are looking forward to it. Uh, I'm still not the kind of person who can take any sort of long vacation this summer. My brain just doesn't work that way. You know, I've been away from work for six weeks. I think I'd fucking forget what it was supposed to do but uh, it's definitely worth it if you can do it and lads embrace it right if you're new over here and you're listening to this for the first time right this is not Ireland right so don't think that anybody's going to think less of you if you take three or four or five or six weeks off to be your fam- with your family in fact they'll probably think you're an idiot if you don't do it so embrace that right if you have the squeeze day enjoy it don't feel guilty right none of that old Catholic guilt now about having a day off when you should probably be working enjoy it embrace it get out in nature and that kind of thing uh, this podcast coming to you quite late because that's exactly what I've been doing. If you'd listened to the podcast before, you would have known that uh, back at the start of the pandemic, we bought a little summer house there about two hours from Stockholm. Um, in Swedish, Wonder Woods is used for as a torp, right? So it's a very old sort of a house, and by Jays, it needs plenty of renovations. And every time I mention it, Kevin Carroll and the rest of the carpenters in the group chat are going disappearing, as they should do. They shouldn't be expecting anything for nothing. But we've been doing a lot of it ourselves, and I was down there over the weekend, and. Um, <coughs> We're getting water in, we're getting a, a well dug or a, a pump put in and that kind of thing. So I had to put down a bit of old concrete there to throw the old pump on and this kind of thing. And it's the kind of work that my father used to have a building business in Dublin. So I know how to do the work, but I absolutely hate doing it. But you know what? When you're out in the sticks, right? And again, like, you know, I'm one of these people who's allergic to the fact if I can't smell concrete, I go, you know, there's something wrong here, you know? But I'm starting to embrace my inner culture now over the last little while. And uh, I hope nobody objects to that term. Uh, but I do enjoy being out in the country an awful lot more now. And like I say, it's very easy when it's so green and so beautiful uh, this time of the year. And just a couple of hours outside of Stockholm or even an hour outside of Stockholm, you'll find trails and forests and places to go. You don't have to have a, a summer house. You don't have to do any of that. You can just get in a boat and go out to one of the islands and wander around. And I'd strongly suggest that you do that because there's a great sense of peace and quiet to be had out there. As a matter of fact, I'd almost recommend not fucking buying a summer house because that's just a whole other world of headaches and that kind of thing. But sure, it is a bit of crack and it keeps me out of trouble. Uh, the podcast has been late now throwing it together this week uh, the interview was done the person you're going to hear from is another one of these fascinating Irish business people whose businesses I got to visit during the week right I went out to talk to Ivan Keane in, uh, on Leading Up and Ivan has a brewery out there the last few years and it's gas you'd be scratching your head sometimes and think you know why didn't I uh, know that Ivan was out there and why didn't Ivan sort of reach out and ask me to do something and some people just don't think of that but it's worth thinking of that if, if you hear of an Irish business and you haven't heard them on the podcast before and if you scroll down and, and you don't see their names there or anything else like that right t- get them in touch with me because Ivan was a brilliant chap to talk to uh, a great story fascinating stuff that he's doing out there fascinating insight into having a microbrewery in Sweden I think he's one of four Irish owned microbreweries here in Sweden and I think we've talked to two of them before as you'll hear in the conversation so yeah do put people in touch you know that kind of thing so and um, before we get on to that there's a couple of things to go through, right? You would have heard uh, Claire O'Halloran there from the Inni restaurant recently on the podcast. I went down there and had a chat with her. 
And last week on, I think it was Wednesday evening, I grabbed young Mr. Zach Elbazadi of uh, Oiko Football and uh, we went down there for dinner. We hadn't caught up in a long time. So I said, right, let's go down there and we'll have a bite to eat. And we did exactly as she said in the podcast, right? We, we said, right, just feed us, right? Bring out whatever. And I told her, right, no discounts, no messing around. We don't want that for nothing. We want the whole works. So what you bring out the food and we'll eat it. And we did. And we had ox tongue and we had potted shrimp and we had squid and we had all manner of fantastic food down there. And lads, I, I, I honestly don't have the words to describe how good it was and how fresh it was and how brilliantly uh, she was able to sort of balance all these tastes. And the service was absolutely amazing. Now, Zach and I are among the worst restaurant guests, right? Because we don't drink wine and there's a good bit of old margin for boys and girls in the restaurant business and wine there and that kind of thing. But, uh, it, but it was just magnificent. The food was absolutely amazing. The restaurant is called Ineoni, which is the Irish word for daughters. You will find it on Timmermans Gothan on Southern. It was remarkably easy to pack. For Southern on a Wednesday at half past six, it was just incredibly easy for both Zach and I to find parking there. We had a fantastic time. Claire was able to come out and have a chat with us. But the food was amazing. And just get down there now. They're going to be closing for the last two weeks, I think, in July and the first few weeks, uh, first week or two weeks in August or whatever there. But there's plenty of time before then to get down there. If you're celebrating your wedding anniversary, if it's, you know, your birthday or your partner's birthday, or if you're doing some business dinner and you have the old corporate credit card, you know, the ones that don't melt when you put them in the machine that would be lovely down there right go down there enjoy it and they've all manner of brilliant stuff down there it was just amazing and the great thing is i'm looking forward to going back down there because i think we only ate about half the menu because obviously you can't eat absolutely everything um so yeah i'm looking forward to going back down there and trying the rest of the stuff as well you know the black pudding and the scotch egg and that kind of haven't tried any of that yet but i'm going to be going back down there and trying that uh, another thing to remember is if you do have a business as I say I'm more than happy to give you a shout out for your restaurant or for your pub or whatever you're doing but I was thinking about how we fund this podcast right and there are some people who are very generous like Martin Hessian at Veerstums and the Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden and remember that what I do here right in terms of producing this kind of content uh, podcasts video text that kind of thing I can do that for you as well right so if you're starting a business especially if you're over here you know you're only just opening up your presence in Sweden right there might be stuff that you need on your website or text are written or that kind of thing get in touch right so by giving me that little bit of copywriting work or podcasting work or making video work that also helps lads any work that's coming in helps to fund putting the podcast together uh, the podcast feed, as you may have noticed, is called the Arrow Man in Stockholm podcast feed. And the last week has been absolutely crackers on it, right? Because of a couple of conversations that I wanted to, to put out there. And then you have the Global Gale podcast feed as well, where in an interview with uh, Tim Foley, who's written a book about Tom Crean. So there's a lot going on there. Somewhere between 8 and maybe 10 or 12 podcasts every month that you get for five a month on patreon.com forward slash Arrow Man in Stockholm. So it's a great way to support the podcast if you can do it. If I may, I would like to advise you to go back to the middle of last week right and listen to an interview that i did with shannon lynn shannon is a former international soccer goalkeeper she lives down below in malmo not uh well, she actually doesn't live in malmo she lives just outside it but she works for fc rosengore the club in the domals fans can down there and i went down to her uh, to talk about mental health and being an elite athlete and that right because she's well known as a mental health advocate and she's worked for fief pro which is a players players union soccer players union talking about these things and lads I'm not saying it just because I was part of it, right? But it was a powerful conversation. What this woman has to say about mental health is amazing, right? It, it may not be new to people who've dealt with these issues before, but it certainly was new to me to be sitting across the table and to have somebody lay out such a vulnerable time in, in their life in such a brutal and frank and honest way was amazing. And the good thing about Sweden, in a way, is that this is a kind of place where it is possible to get help if you're suffering, right? So, a bit of a trigger warning. Things she talks about, about self-medicating with alcohol and that kind of thing, not everybody's going to find it easy to listen to. And there was times in the conversation that I didn't find it easy to be part of either. But it certainly gave me a lot. And, you know, to think of people who are suffering in terms of mental health issues. And we, there's a wide, wide range of them, lads. It's not just, you know, abusing alcohol or abusing drugs or that kind of thing. There's depressions in there. There's all sorts of things that are acquired. There are things that are genetic and that kind of thing. But 
to be living with those things and to be burdened with those things in a society which is quite wealthy and where the supports do exist they can be hard to find but they do exist right and i would say to anybody uh, to, to go and to start that process right if you need a diagnosis if you need help for addiction if you need anything like that right start the process right because the best time to start working on your mental health is probably when you're about the age of four right but the next best time is now i spent a long time in this country wandering around the place miserable and it wasn't until uh, i took ownership of these things and i decided i was going to do something about these things the things started to change and by no means am i saying that i did any of this on my own right i had an awful lot of help from from my family and from friends and from the listeners to this podcast and the people that i played gaelic football with and the people who've always backed me and supported me and everything i do right but you know it it is not something that can be done but it has to be started by you but it all doesn't have to be done by you right Th- that wasn't in the script there is no script there's never a script when we're doing these things but it's certainly something that um that, that's worth thinking of right and if if you want to reach out to me absolutely i'd be happy to help you i'm not in any way qualified to do these things but i can point you in the right direction i can put you in touch with people i can tell you which of the you know if you need to go to your ward central which is your local health center if you need to go to hospital or any of that kind of thing i can translate for you and i'm happy to do all those things for absolutely anybody in our community right now we're talking about self-medicating with alcohol and i'm fully aware of the ironry that we're very briefly in a very short space of time going to head over to our good friend Ivan at Keane's Brewery um, I can't remember where this popped up I know I saw a picture of the, exteri- of the, the exterior of the brewery but that looks lovely that also looks very permanent this isn't just some lad in a shed with a home brew kit under the stairs and that kind of thing so I got hold of Ivan and I mailed him one night and I said right I'll come over and he says yeah no I love the podcast I was going well Jesus why didn't you tell me <laughs> and it would have been over ages ago but I went out to him there the other morning and a most amazing facility, right? And this is another man you can support as well. The reason I wanted to talk to him, and now I remember why it is, right? Uh, sometime, I think, in the middle of June. I think it's the 15th of June, but don't quote me on it. Go to the Swedish Irish Society's web page or to their Facebook group because they're going up there for a tasting and a tour of the brewery. That was how uh, it arrived on my radar, and that was why I wanted to go and see him. So I said I tried to give everybody a preview because not everybody could go. But when we're talking that kind of thing, you can go there, right? He has a tap room. He has beers on tap there. If you have a stag do, if you have a work do, if you want to do something different with the people, Uh, in your team at work you want to bring them out there and that kind of thing you can sit outside in the summertime now he has lovely tables out there you can park right outside you can park your backside down and he has a fine selection of drinks there now as you know the regular listeners to the podcast will know i don't drink alcohol myself but i bought a couple of these folk girl folk girl is the beer that's max three and a half percent and i brought them home and sure they were guzzled down by the alcohol drinkers in this house and they said it was lovely beer altogether and you can also get them at the system blog it's but uh, instead of me talking about it let's turn the whole show over to ivan Keane, the other morning when I went out to him there to Keane's Brewery to get him to tell me the story of what it's like to be brewing beer out on Leading Earth and trying to deal with all the uh, the bureaucracy and everything else that's around it here in Sweden. So here he is. Enjoy. the record button Ivan and if you've listened to this podcast you'll be you'll, before you'll understand it now is your opportunity to explain to us where in the world we are great stuff uh, well welcome to Keen Brewing and uh, we're here in Lidinger uh, Larsberg so not too far from town mm. uh, yeah, out to Rubston and then Lidinger and yeah it's not that far out it took me 19 minutes to drive here from yeah. from Shista and what you're hearing in the background there is you're hearing the head of security what's uh, the head of security's name Ronan uh, Ron, Ronan and Ronan ate a raisin last week or oh, a box of raisins a box of raisins fair play Ronan <laughs> and our four-legged friend is here now sort of uh, yeah, just yeah. recovering re- recovering yeah. and there's a big plaster on his on his paw there is there yeah there is they had to take a blood test and uh, yeah made him uh, Get sick. <laughs> oh, oh, is that it? Yeah. Or the uh, raisins are poison for them, so. Yeah. But he, he's fine. He's he, fine. He's no problem at all. Yeah, he's happy. Uh, describe the scene, because we're sitting at a beautiful uh, wooden bar here, untreated uh-huh. uh, timber. It's beautiful. We have a, a fridge here full of beers. When did you start brewing beer, and when did you move into this particular brewery? Yeah, so, like, it started a long time ago as a hobby for, for ma- many brewers. Mm-hmm. It is like so. But, uh, yeah, no, I started brewing at home years and years ago. Uh at a time when you didn't really have 
a great choice of beers and it was always interesting, different tastes. So, uh, yeah, you buy the ingredients and you brew your own beer and that kind of progressed from that. It was always an interest and I had the chance around six years ago to start the brewery. Mm. So the brewery's up and running now five years and uh, it's a thousand litre brewery uh, and we're brewing both strong beers for System Belaga, pubs and restaurants and mm. then Foco, like up to 3.5, which uh, we can sell directly from the, the brewery, but also to food shops. Okay, so if I was to go into the Ica Quantum, which is down the street here, yeah. leading out, would I find your beers in you there? You would, you would, yeah. We have a, an IPA in there at the moment, Yggdrasil. Yeah. So, uh, so some food shops are interested and they'll take it in. Uh, other ones, like, they're kind of, yeah, more interested in the big brands and mm. leave it at that. Is it very hard then? Because obviously, you know, I mean, you were saying to me before we went on air then, mm. this is like a one-man operation, right? Yeah. So you have to do everything. You have to do the sales, the brewing, the design, the That's marketing, yeah. the whole lot, like, you know? So it's, gr- it's great from that point of view that you, you, you kind of have a finger in everything. You learn so much. But at the same time, it's it's time. Time is the biggest issue for me, like, yeah. to find the time to do everything. But, um yeah, like a, a general week for me is like uh, we're here, we'd be brewing maybe one day. It's a kind of half-day clean-up, yeah. uh, half-day preparation, and then it's out trying to sell the beer, mm. going into the various pubs and restaurants, meeting with them and, you know, going through samples with them and see, seeing what would work for them. Mm. As George Hook used to say, let's back up the truck just a little bit, right? Um, how did you come to be in Sweden to open this brewery? Okay, so uh, I came here in 2000. Uh, I worked for Ericsson before. Uh, so very unusual for an Irish Very country. unusual, yeah. So I started with Ericsson in 95 in Dublin. Uh, first time I came to Sweden was in 98 uh, to Linköping. And I liked what I saw. Mm-hmm. I came back again in 2000 for a contract for three months. And uh, yeah, it happened to me, my wife, like many people do, and uh, settled down. And uh, then Ericsson were going through a bit of a downturn six years ago. And uh, they had a good uh, financial packet if you left. And I had a good few years behind me, so I jumped at it and uh, started the brewery. I think there's a lot of people now that might be listening to this who are going through a similar situation because I think it was in February there, there's a similar thing going on. Um, you decided to take the package from Ericsson and to pump that money, if you'll pardon the pun, into, into a brewery. True. How is that working out for you? Yeah, well, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> It, it was like, uh, yeah, living the dream, like to kind of, that was always my passion and I wanted to do it. So it was a great opportunity. And uh, I was 22 years in Ericsson and uh, I must say I had a great time there. I have some very good friends still there. Uh, but uh, for me, it was just the right time to, to, mm. to leave it and uh, start this. Mm. So uh, I have some connections uh, back in Ireland uh, with the brewing. Uh, craft brewers there yeah. so uh, there was a guy there down in Kildare he um, had a good brewery that he had just set up I went over there and kind of uh, tried the equipment that he had ordered ordered the same equipment got it installed he came over here and helped me install it and mm. then we were up and running uh, brewing beer yeah, for System Belogit mainly in the beginning but then uh, pubs and restaurants came after mm. that what did the first batch taste like? Was it like the first pancake on Troll Tuesday? I had to go on the beer, was it? <laughs> it was the... Uh, we practised a lot on a uh, small scale. So, actually, it, it turned out okay. Of course, there was mistakes along the way, but uh, it turned out fine. So, like, uh, behind the bar, yeah. I'll, I'll just describe, we have a, a big shelf with uh, all the beers we've brewed, all the, the bottles and cans that we've brewed. So, with the market here in Sweden, they love trying new things. Yeah. So, like, every year we're launching more and more beers like we're up to 10 to 12 beers a year we'd launch and, and do you produce these like you know one week you'll do let me see Yggdrasil is one of yeah, them there yeah. and the next week it's Agir and you produce these things you know in batches kind of thing we would yeah so like uh, so, some of the beers have been around for a while because uh, they're quite popular mm. and uh, we're happy to do them again but then uh, there's other beers that we're just uh, yeah the, the market's kind of lean in one way and you know we we, we, we see what they want and uh, mm. we brew it Uh and, that, and that's quite fun for us as well. Rather than just brewing the same recipe over and over again, we can develop recipes and, mm. and come with new products. Um, this boom in IPAs and that kind of thing, yeah. um, how much does the market decide? Because obviously you're going to look at what's being sold in Ica Quantum, what yeah. system belong they're looking for. And I go, Jesus, you know. I mean, would you ever be tempted to do a sort of a Budweiser version just to, because, you know, there's a million litres of that you can sell? Uh, no, well, it's, it's, it's interesting. Like, um, for sure, uh, we have to think about what we can sell mm. you know IPAs are very popular and they have been for a while but uh, like our best seller at the moment is a lager uh, Odin Lager uh, 
Mm-hmm. And uh, then next month we'll come with, uh, we have uh, uh, a gosa, which is kind of like a, uh, a beer that we can put some fruit into it. It's a bit of salt in it, a little bit sour, but not quite. And then we put mango and passion fruit into it. So a real summer beer. Mm. We have a, yeah, an IPA, a new IPA coming and a vice beer. So oh, yeah, the Germans are the cloudy. German, yeah. yeah, yeah, big time, yeah. Mm. So like I, I'm kind of really uh, influenced by German and English, Irish kind of styles. Mm. That's That's what we do. So we have, of course, we have an IPA, but it's not all about that. Yeah. So. Remember years ago in Ireland, they launched this beer in Ireland called Furstenburg. Do you remember <laughs> that? I do, right? yeah, yeah. And A, it was 5%, so it was yeah, like yeah. a fucking gun to your yeah, head yeah. for Irish yeah. people. But that was when they started to talk about it. As part of the marketing, they talked about these German brewing laws where you can yeah, only yeah. have like water, hops, and I don't know, 40 other chemicals. I can't yeah. remember what it was. Um, how much of, of this is traditional? Because I'm looking around, mm. I'm always fascinated when I'm in a microbrewery, and it's all, it's all very shiny. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it, how much of this is a traditional process and how much of it is very much modern manufacturing? Yeah, well, um, it, it's, to be fair, uh, the, when you're brewing at home, it's not quite that different to what we're doing here. It's the same mm. process. It's, yeah. it's just the volumes are different. Yeah. So, uh, and then the ingredient, ingredients are quite simple. Like They've got better over the years, but like the malt, just now I'm, I have a palette of English malt, Simpsons, that we're using. We've tried Swedish malt. It's worked very well for us. But like, uh, yeah, hops, yeast, and water, you know, and thankfully here in Stockholm, we don't have to do anything with the water. We mm. add some salts to it, like just to enhance maybe a bit of maltiness or hoppiness. But really, it's uh, there's no filtering required. Mm. So, so it's, it's quite quite easy. Uh, the the, the uh, equipment we have, like I, I spent a bit of money on that just to make it easier for me to handle because I'm here by myself. Mm. So, but it's a lot of it is manual, but uh, the main... Uh, manual work is really just milling the malt and lifting it into the mash tun mm. and then cleaning up afterwards. But beyond that, it's, yeah, we have lots of pumps and things that we can move stuff around. How precise does everything have to be? Right, I cook a lot, but I don't yeah. bake because yeah, yeah. bake requires measuring stuff. I don't yeah. do measurements. Yeah, yeah. You know? So do you have to be very precise, like to the gram, to the, the milliliter? Yeah, well, you, yeah, it, it is very precise, I must say. So like, you know, I have my uh, notes and I'll be following those. That's and, my career uh, in brewery yeah. ended <laughs> in a one stroke of your pen there. <laughs> But like uh, again, it's to do with the volumes. With the malt, like you're you're measuring kilograms of it, so it's, it doesn't have to be that precise. But mm. then uh, when you're down to like um, uh, salts that you're adding in that, yeah, you're into grams then, and you're fairly precise. Mm. And then the whole process, like how long you're going to mash for, or how long you're going to cook, boil uh, the wort, you know, that's that's fairly precise as well. What effect does that have? Say if you leave that on, on there longer, is the yeah. beer going to taste different because of that? Or? It, it will. It yeah. will, of course. And and then it's, uh, you know, it's it's important for us as well to have control of the processes because some of these recipes we'll do again and again, mm. you know, and, and especially when it's in system belaga because then, you know, we have a contract with them to produce a certain type of beer and, and, and uh, the alcohol level is, is very important to have that right as well. Mm. And uh, would they be very sort of? Uh, are they very difficult to deal with? They're well. They have to uh, process. So like, it's a, it's a long process. So when we come with a new beer, it's uh, like it's almost three months. It takes every time. Every time. So like, uh, you know, it's, it involves a bit of planning. But like now, after four to five years working with them, we know how they work. So it's mm. just you have to follow their process. That's that's it. So you and me decide today that we're yeah. going to make a beer, right? We're going to make. Right some version of Smithix because yeah. you can't get it in this yeah, country yeah. right? and it's going to take three months we have to go now do you have to convince them and go lads there's, there's a need for this in this market no what? not so much it's, it's more like uh, okay we have our we have our red ale yeah, yeah. and uh, we um, we have a recipe for it uh, we fill out um, they have an online um, formula that you go through you fill in uh, what uh, what type of beer it is uh, how strong it's going to be Um and what kind of volumes are going to do. And you send that into them. Uh, you also send in the label. You must have the label prepared. Okay. Yeah. F- uh, they have to approve the label. So if there's a problem with the label, they they reject that and mm. you need to update it. And then uh, you won't hear anything for a couple of weeks. And then you'll have to send in a sample. Mm. And the sample, uh, we send in, I think it's four cans we send in. Uh, or s- No, I think it's four now. It was six. And uh, they have a lab. They'll test the alcohol percentage on it. Mm-hmm. And they'll do tastings then with it as well. So, like, you, if you're ever uh, into system belonging, you might see on the shelves, like, there's a small uh, description of the beer, what it tastes like. But yeah. on the website, you'll you'll get a little bit more information. You have how, these little uh, circles as well. Exactly, that talk about yeah, sweet exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's where that's coming from. Mm. Uh, and uh, then uh, if everything goes well, 
you go on to the next stage and then uh, you probably won't hear anything until they're ready to order it and then you're up to nearly three months God. so like the beers that we launched now at the beginning of June like we started that process you know back in March I guess mm. yeah. and would there ever be an instance where they just don't bother answering because they don't want it uh, no they, I think they're they're more or less obliged to to take us in, you are know, they, yeah. yeah, they are. Like unless we really mess up something, like uh, we have the label wrong, or we mm. we send in samples that are, are wrong alcohol percentages. Mm. Like, of course, they'll reject it straight away, or yeah. we fill in the formula wrong. That's that can happen as well. Yeah, but uh, they're they're obliged, I think, to uh, to take it. We've well, we haven't had a problem with it. Mm. So, what are the rules for the labels? Because I've heard a few old horror stories for things that yeah, are acceptable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not quite, acceptable. quite interesting, actually. So. What's, what we have going is a bit of a Nordic mythology team. Yeah, yeah you can see that with all the, all, all the labels. So I have um, a guy in um, um, Belfast who mm. does the, the, the kind of silhouettes for me. He's, he's excellent mm. at it, John Farley. Uh, we were looking for a connection back to Ireland and it was kind of obviously yeah, the Vikings mm. in Sweden. Well, maybe it was more with... Norway and Denmark but uh, we went with the Vikings and then of course the Nordic mythology it just opened it up to so many characters there so it makes mm. it so easy to, to come with new labels Yeah. so you send them the label and we have had some some interesting kind of uh, discussions with them uh, um, if I know from other breweries if you kind of have a car or a boat on mm. the label that's that could be rejected because people could be under the influence of alcohol Oh, with the right car, right. the boat, you know, this this kind of... D- this story, is obviously yeah? car-driving beer. Yeah, yeah, well. it's, it's, it's a bit <laughs> strange. But, uh, and then uh, we um, we get in mobile canners here. Uh, so I don't have my own canning machine. I hire in a company and they, they fill the beer for me. Mm. So they came one time and uh, Suna, which we have... Um, Suna is the exception from the Nordic mythology. We were looking for a sun god. We couldn't find one. So yep. Suna was a kind of a, a German god yep. of the sun. And she's uh, riding this chariot, and yeah. she has a, like a, a spear in her hand. Yeah. And when the canning guys came here, they were there. Jeez, you're not going to use that, are you? And I was there. Yeah. What's wrong with it? I said, Well, chariots, people uh, riding horses when they're under the influence, and a weapon. And then I got nervous. <laughs> but we went ahead anyway, and thankfully they they didn't see anything. They worked out. <laughs> sun gods are not likely to drive drunk. Basically, no, 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 no. Has yeah. there ever been a, a situation where they said to you, look, at that's unacceptable? Uh, no, th- I had one with uh, uh, Midgord Zorman, which mm-hmm. is a red ale that we do. Yep. Uh, and there was a woman here for a beer tasting and she asked me, is our beer uh, vegan friendly? Yes. And I was there yesterday. And she was there, why don't you put it on the can? Like for So vegans would know. And yeah. I thought, yeah, I hadn't thought of that, but that makes sense. Mm. So uh, I did a bit of research and I got a symbol off the internet that was free to use, mm-hmm. uh, sent in the labels, had all the labels printed out, like uh, sitting on maybe six or 7,000 labels. And System Bologa came back and asked me for a certification for the, the where's my vegan certifying? And I was there like, do I need that? <laughs> so, <laughs> do I have to prove everything else that's not in it as well? <laughs> so um, I got in contact, actually, there's a guy uh, here on Lidinger, he runs a company that does it, but uh, it was extremely expensive. Like it was a couple of thousand per product per year. Oof. And we're we're coming with maybe ten to twelve products every year. Yeah. I was there. This doesn't make sense. Yeah. So uh, if anybody ever gets a, a, a can of Midgord Zorman, they'll see uh, um, a kind of a black circle. So I go with a black marker mm. over the vegan symbol now. You have to I go. Have to do otherwise, the six or seven thousand labels go on the bin, basically. Well, yeah, I can't use the, can't use that symbol. So, God Almighty, yeah, yeah. Yeah. beware so of what you find on the <laughs> internet. You know, um, you were saying that that's a system belonged. Yeah. Um, in terms of your business, mm. is that where most of the money comes from? Uh, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say so. I'd say it's kind of a, it's evenly split with pubs and restaurants. Mm. Uh, so, before uh, I could say this kind of current crisis that we're in, if we call it that. Uh, it was probably one-third split with the food shops for the mm-hmm. folk girl and sales out our door. Then we had uh, System Belaga. Then we had the pubs and restaurants. Mm. Uh, pubs and restaurants were doing quite well. Then. Um, the System Belaga will come with two new prod- or three new products. So we're, we're, we're doing well and we're growing. We have five stores that we're in. Mm. And then people can order to other stores. Yeah. Uh, but food shops, folk girl, people aren't buying as much folk girl now. And, you know, they don't have as much money. Yeah. So I think uh, that's an area where they've cut back for sure. Yeah. 
So, so we see a little decline there, which is a shame. In terms of the food shops, right? You mm. obviously don't sell to the. I think Ika have a place out in Yarfella somewhere, you know, where it's a central place. Yeah. Do you sell to. You go to Ika Quantum here with your creative. I do, I do. It's just across the road, so that's yeah. easy to do. Uh, but I have uh, an order going to Lily Holman tomorrow. So, yeah. like, it's kind of. Um, we work together with the distributor, Flavi. Sorry, that's my phone now. Yeah, that no off. butter. Um, uh, so we. Um, uh, Work together with a like a distributor, Flavies. So yeah. they they provide, uh, um, uh, or they help us with orders towards pubs and restaurants, yeah. food shops, and that. So we get orders there. So like, uh, and from time to time, we do get other food stores yeah. dotted around uh, Stockholm, yeah, mm. or even outside Stockholm. But I think now with the, uh, the current situation, it's a little bit more difficult outside Stockholm because of freight costs yeah, that, yeah. All that but cost in money. Stockholm I, I do it like I'll be driving to Little Home now tomorrow and squeeze mm. that in and go down with some folk else now. so let's go cool. loading up the van there yeah. and with sustainable logic anybody like our friends down in Malmö or in Gothenburg yeah. invested us now they can just go in and say I want that yeah. so they order it and yeah. it'll be delivered to their local store they don't yeah. have to pay for that delivery no not anything, at all no, no it's, it's it, like the, to be fair to sustainable logic that's a great service mm. you know like so what we do is we deliver to a depot out in uh, Kungsängen yeah. and they take care of it from there Brilliant. So like, and and before it was like you had to order a box like twenty or twenty four. Yeah. Now no, it's just one. Yeah. So you could order a can anywhere in the country. And off it goes. And off it, it takes goes. a day or two to deliver, and that's yeah, it. Yeah, I, t- I think they say a few days, and yeah. they have it there, and then you go into the store and collect it. Yeah. That's, no, it's so that, that's good. Yeah. You know, to be fair, it's fantastic. Yeah. In terms of like, are you most popular here around Leeding and around Stockholm for the time being? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Like that's that's where most most of our market is. And so it, it, that marketing that you is it word of mouth? Is it people here? Yeah, you know? it is. Like it's 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 really tricky. Like we still meet people walking by the brewery and they're oh, there's a brewery here, and I'm there. Yeah, well, we moved in here like three years ago. Yeah. Before that, we were just around the corner. We were up there for two years. Yeah. But uh, we still meet people. There's so many different channels now. Mm. You know, before it would have been just the newspaper or the radio, but like yeah. it's, you know, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, oh, you it. name it, you know. It, it breaks my heart every time somebody <laughs> goes to it. Oh, I didn't know you made a podcast for the Irish Institute and you just want to scream when people <laughs> say it, you know, because you could be here doing great work for ages. And just if you just don't happen to be in that person's mm. orbit, mm. of course, they've never heard you. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. In all your 22 years at Ericsson, mm. huge global company, working in yeah. telecommunications, etc., yeah. etc., et was that any sort of a decent school for what you're doing now? Because it seems to be yeah, well, the, well, opposites. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, there was, there was things that you learned there that, you know, that helped, for sure. Mm. You know, um, so, uh, you know, like we were working big projects and there was a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of planning went into those. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, like, uh, that side of it helped, for sure. You know, and, and yeah, I didn't, at the time you hated it like they had so many processes and that but like mm. <laughs> they did help when I moved over into this system belong it system belong it so and like again like in the brewery like anything can happen so you need to be able to to react to that so like uh, troubleshooting helps as well you know mm. so we had a Learned a bit of that in Ericsson. Is it, is it um, every time you go to brew a batch here, is mm. it a sort of a straightforward process? You go, right, today I'm going to be brewing, brewing Sunna. Yeah. So, right, I, I know what to do, I know the measurements, and you just bang it out there like any other day's work. Yeah. Or yeah. is there a risk every time you do it that yeah, it's going to go to there, there, Yeah, there, there's always something that could happen. Like, we brewed Odin last week, and my chiller wasn't working for some reason. So, uh, it wasn't the end of the world because the water's still quite cold out of the tap. Like, it's around, yeah. around 10, 11 degrees. Yeah. But during the summer, that can go up to 14, 15 degrees and when I wanted to chill, chill that down to roughly 12 degrees to put the yeast in yeah. that could be an issue so like I was able to get by it on um, Thursday but now this week I need to look into it and see how to fix it you get the chiller fixed yeah. and, that kind of thing, you know? and, and that's the kind of thing where you kind of have to be a little bit practical because you, ca- you can't ring someone to come and fix it every time because it costs so well, five or ten thousand crowns yeah, yeah, every yeah. time yeah. Like, yeah. so like uh, you try to fix it yourself most of the time it works some of the time it doesn't and then you have to get the help in so yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of you decide, right? What is it that you mentioned earlier on that you know you were always interested in brewing yeah. and that kind of thing? Yeah. Where do you get the ideas for the next beer, right? So, say yeah. you might have thought, okay, I have a new name for a Nordic god or yeah, part yeah. of mythology yeah. that I haven't used yet. You know, yeah. do you go, okay, what's missing from the sortiment as they say in Swedish, yeah. or do you think, okay, I'd really like to try making one of these? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's um, we kind of. I say we we brew beers that we like to drink ourselves. I'm in touch a lot with my brother. Yeah. Lives in Dublin. He's big into brewing. 
So like we're bouncing ideas around. Does he have his own brewery there? He doesn't have a brewery, but he he brews for himself. Yeah, yeah, and he's very much involved in the uh, homebrew society in Ireland. Mm. But uh, it's like um, you're always kind of looking uh, three months up the road Mm. because it's just in Belogit. And uh, then you're saying, okay, what time of the year is that? What will work best Mm. at that time? So like at the moment, this week now I'm preparing for a brew on Wednesday and and that's our uh, Oktoberfest beer. Okay. So that's that's for release in September. Yeah. You know. So like, uh, and then after that, we're going to have a college, which is kind of again, it's looking towards the end of the summer, beginning of the autumn, you know, mm. and seeing what beers we get, um, uh, what beers we can sell yeah. around there, because pubs and restaurants, they, you know, it's the same there. You know, like if we have a stout now, they're not going to buy a stout during the summer, but uh, in the autumn they'll they'll be crying for a stout. Th- that comes back in. Yeah, is yeah, it yeah. very that season? It is. Yeah. It is. It is. Yeah, yeah it really is. Mm. Yeah. And this beer that you have here, uh, the Odin beer yeah. that you have here, is this becoming the sort of the staple of this lager beer that you're That's, selling? Yeah, like we've we started with uh, Hogan and Moomin, mm-hmm. uh, which <laughs> Odin's to uh, uh, what would you oh, say? Oh, the Ravens, is Ravens, it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that uh, yeah. So that was Hogan and Moomin, and then we developed that recipe. Uh, and then it, be, it kind of morphed into Odin. Yeah. And that's that's been a really good seller for us since. Why? So everybody likes a lager, you know. They've, it's the easiest thing to drink. Really. When, when you say that, yeah. Yeah. is there a little bit of you looking down on people who not drink lagers? Not at all. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Because to be fair, to brew a lager, it's not that easy. You know, if, if you do something wrong, people will taste it straight away. They will, yeah. So, like, for me, uh, I can turn around a lager, like, have it. From brew day to when I start selling it, it's nearly two months. So it's it's actually more work is than, it, yeah. than a regular beer. Right. You know, is a it regular a, beer. An, yeah. an ale that takes maybe a month. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so the ale is a sort of hyper, you, you can bang that out kind of you, thing. You can bang that out, yeah. Yeah. But uh, the lagers take time. Why Why do they take that uh, more you, time? You know, you need uh, the yeast. Uh, the yeast is fermenting at a at, um, lower temperature, so it goes much slower. Yeah. And then the flavors, like just to kind of get them to work, it takes, it, it needs to be uh, at a cold temperature for a long time. Mm. It, it, it sounds almost a little bit like witchcraft or magic or that kind of thing. I'd, I'd say it's more like science. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, I don't know. But there is that, like, you yeah, know, yeah. When, when, you're, when you're trying to get a specific flavour, or when yeah. you're, you would say, right, f- so for those two months that it has yeah. to be cooling, you would have X amount of time for when the yeast is, is doing its thing and that kind of thing. Exactly, exactly. And, and then you might add something after that then. And yeah, well, if, we, yeah, if we're going to dry hop it, then we'd, we have dry hopped lagers before, but this one that we're doing at the moment, we don't dry hop that. Mm. So, uh, but, uh, like... Yeah, we have a control panel over there, and I can steer. Now we've turned off the chillers for the for the interview, but yeah, uh, yeah. I I can steer the temperature on on the uh, fermenters, like d- you know, down to like they're extremely accurate. Mm. So we have control of the, like the whole process right to the end, till when we put it in a can or a keg. Yeah, and we have to like otherwise otherwise it wouldn't be a lager. It would be like at room temperature of fermenting away, and it w- you'd know you taste it, and yeah, it wouldn't taste good. It's an amazing. It's like, does this keep you awake at night? Because it seems like a very complicated yeah, yeah, process. Well, sometimes it does. <laughs> but things are going does. wrong. It does. <laughs> Chiller is not working. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, but uh, no, it's. Uh, I know it's it's the the process is it's easy to understand, but it's more uh, yeah, like things happen all the time. Mm. And then, then we're into a great time of year now with the festival starting up. We were out on Saturday, and uh, we have an excellent festival now the week before midsummer out in Adelsa. Okay. And that's. Uh, it's out beyond Ecuador, so it's a bit of a journey from Stockholm, but still, it's like SL all the way, mm. and uh, an hour and a half, and uh, it's an outdoor festival. We've had good weather the last couple of years. Mm. The guy who arranges at Anders, he's big into his music, so he's got great bands there, mm. outdoor, and then you've got um, food trucks there and all the bars that are there, mm. the, the microbreweries. What can you sell there? Can you sell strong beers We can there? sell strong beers, yeah, yeah. So they, they have license for it, so we come in under their license, and we sell as part of the festival. And do you have to throw them a few bob then, or a percentage? Yeah, like, of yeah, like they're, they're quite good. Like, we get the majority of the take, which is great. Yeah. That helps us. Like, we do, we've done other festivals where you pay a lot of money to be there, and if people don't show up then you're out of pocket it's not worth your while how much contact do you have with the other Irish brewers with Dermot down below and going on yeah well Dermot I miss um, uh, in October October we have the great Swedish beer festival so he's down south yeah and uh, he's been at that every year we've been there so it's always nice to meet up with him Uh, and then Kieran I haven't spoken to Kieran in a few months now but last time we saw him uh, we did the Irish uh, Embassy had a reception, yeah. and uh, both of us were there. The two breweries uh, serving beer at that. That was cool. Yeah. So 
How nice was, guys. How was the competition? Is there like, do you see them as competitors or oh, do you see them as compadres? No, no, like we see them. We we see the, the way uh, the market works. It's it's uh, so difficult with the big breweries. Mm. It really is. And uh, all the microbreweries, we all work together. We have to work together. Yeah. So like, if I'm uh, if I need if I have a problem with some equipment or uh, I need uh, some advice, some help. We're contacting guys who are close close to us. Yeah, and and it's a great network like that, and we see it at the festivals. Like you know, it's great to meet up with them, and uh, mm. we don't have a chance to go out every weekend, but like we we have a few beers after the festival together, and it's always good fun. Would that be the situation where Kieran be going, look at you try this from my brewery, I'll try this from yours? Yeah, and well, Kieran, to be fair, has bought uh, cakes from us. Has he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's he's served uh, beer down in his uh, brew pub. So. Yeah. Decent fella, yeah, that, yeah, despite nice. the fact that he's from Cork. But yeah, anyway. well, what can you do? <laughs> Some things you can't help. There's been a uh, lot of talk recently, mm. politically, right? They yeah. talk about this thing of gourds for Shelney, yeah. right? Yeah. And that basically means that if you produce wine or if you produce yeah. beer, that when people come here, that they can buy a six-pack to bring it home with them, right? At the other end, as we mentioned, you have Sicily and Belogit, you have this behemoth which like controls yeah. all strong alcohol sales yeah. in Sweden. I have a feeling I know what your answer is going yeah, to be, right? Yeah. Would, would you be very pro the idea of allowing this gourds for Shelton? Absolutely. So like, uh, <laughs> be no, no question. So, uh, no, it would be, be great for us because um, we do, uh, a lot of beer tastings we do, they're on Saturdays. Yeah. And we have people here and like, uh, I, I, we we'd start early enough, like maybe two o'clock, and we'd finish. Yeah, it generally takes ninety minutes, uh, mm. two hours, and then people have maybe tasted four or five different beers, and they like one. Yeah, that's the dog scratching himself. Now. He's grand. So um, they'd be they, yeah, they'd like um, one of the beers, and they'd be there. Okay, can I get that? And you're there like, well, no, actually, sorry, we can't, we can't sell that to you. Yeah. Um, okay, but it's in the system belong it. Yeah, but the system belong it closed at three o'clock. So uh, so it's it's. We have to get Gorge for Shell, and they've talked about that for so many years, yeah. really. And like, uh, I had a woman from Switzerland here this morning. Yeah. She dropped in. She was just out for a walk. And like that, you're explaining this to people, mainly, f- you know, tourists, that, no, you can't buy beer from us. You have to go to the system belong. Yeah. It's so strange. So strange. <laughs> There's a little bit of your crying inside. Yeah, God, well, that's well, a tenor well, I got yeah, away well, there. Why, why, why? Why shouldn't it be like yeah. that? You know? But do you have any understanding? Because like in mm. one way, when I look at the history of this, mm. right, and you know, like the, the sort of history of alcohol abuse yeah. in the 1800s, yeah, yeah. and they used to have that ration book and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. So you can sort of see where it came yeah, from. Yeah. But but this is also a completely different country from the yeah, one yeah. that you and I moved to sure. over 20 yeah, years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. Now, again, I don't want this to be a glib question, but do you yeah. think that modern Swedish people might be, you know, are they more like European drinkers, more like Irish beer drinkers or English beer drinkers now? Yeah, I, I yeah, I'm not sure. Well, no, sorry. I'd, I, I can't, I can't see a problem with it. Like we're selling beer. Our beer costs a little bit more than yeah. you know the kind of industrial produced beers. Mm. So like I don't see how we're going to have uh, a problem with gourds for shelling. If you go to the system blog at ten o'clock in the morning, you see the poor devils who are trying to get in there. Yeah, and they've yeah. been waiting. They, they, that's where the problem is. Mm. They're not going to come to a microbrewery where they have to pay a little bit extra for yeah. for, for their you know mm. uh, uh, for their alcohol mm. so like really uh, for the majority of people I don't think it's a problem mm. at all for for some of course they, they have an issue but like mm. you know I, I don't think courts for shelling is going to make it worse mm. you know this argument that it's the thin end of the wedge right yeah. that if you allow for gourds for shelling then yeah. essentially what you're doing is you're changing the law Sweden has a, a what you call an exception from European sure. law so it, but then if you change that then all of a sudden everybody yeah. it, it won't just be you here yeah, I, yeah. it'll be everybody else will be allowed to sell whatever sure. they can get their hands on but do you buy that argument at no, all no because like uh, the, what we've been told or what we've heard is that uh, uh, the supposedly the work that's been done on courts for shelling is that it will be limited to uh, if you have been on a visit or a tour of, mm-hmm. a, of, of a brewery or a vineyard or a, someone yeah. who's producing the beer beer or wine that it has to be produced there that you've been on a tour and that uh, they'll fix how much you can buy okay so like to be a certain amount of liters yeah. so you, you, I don't think they'll even allow you to buy a, a box of beer yeah. you know so it'd be like a six pack or that Something kind of like thing, that, yeah. yeah, yeah. And like that's fair enough, mm. you know. Like, and then they still have their system, mm. system blog there that does the majority of sales. Like, this did, we're talking about a tiny fraction. To be like, you know, 
less than a percent or something. Yeah. But it would make a huge difference to your business, though, wouldn't it? That would be great, yeah. Yeah, yeah maybe maybe we could employ someone then. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> you <laughs> having the dog and barking yourself again, you know? Yeah. Um, we, we are sitting at the bar here, so yeah. this is not strictly like a, a production place. You mentioned um, that you're going to have a beer tasting here, and you actually yeah. have the Swedish-Irish Society coming yeah, here on the yeah. 15th, isn't so, it? Yeah, that's right. Emer was out, and... Um, we talked about that and uh, we have 20 people coming so that's mm. fully booked and then she's talking about maybe putting on another date we'd love to do that yeah and then uh, yeah so like they'll come here and uh, we'll squeeze them in if it's nice weather we can sit outside and then uh, yeah typical tasting for us is like I'll discuss uh, the whole process story behind beer go through the ingredients and of course taste the beer is the most important part yeah uh, apropos tasting the beer, right? Yeah. We have what I have is another uh, unfinished wood product here in front of me. It's beautiful with four circles drilled into it, yeah. and there are glasses. Now these aren't pint glasses, right? No. <laughs> How much beer does leading a commune allow you to put in a glass when yeah. you're serving it at a tasting? So uh, it's 15 centiliters. That's what we serve. So it's uh, five times 15 centiliters. That five times 15 centiliters yeah. is, what, is what they get yeah. to taste, right? Yeah. That's is what's that? Is that even a pint? Is that just uh, about? Yeah, it would be a little bit more. Fifty, than a seventy-five, pint, about yeah. a pint and a half, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, that's not much, is it? No, but we'll look after the society. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I hope there's nobody from the system along at this time. But it, it is them that decide how yeah, much each. Yeah, guest it's, is it's kind of a strange rule around that because uh, we have a special um, uh, license, mm. uh, smoke proofing stillstand. Okay. And it's actually uh, there's a few communes here that go together, and there's a. A section or a department that sits yeah. together in Tavi that look after Lidinger as one of the communes. Okay. And there they decide. Uh, so, like, we have to go and do an exam to say that we're proficient to, to, to serve alcohol. Uh, hang on a second. What skills does one need <laughs> to display to do that? Like, Because I've worked in pubs and you don't need, if your yeah, brain yeah, is yeah. barely no, functioning, uh, yeah, you can yeah. do it. You'd wonder, really. But uh, yeah, you have to know about the alcohol laws. You mm. have to know about. Um, yeah, to what extent you can serve people, uh, how much, um, if they're under the influence, of course, they can't be served, so on. Yeah. You know, it's, it's bureaucracy, really. Yeah. Um, and then uh, they, yeah, they specify, well, to be fair to them, they didn't specify, but I didn't ask them, but the understanding is it's 15 centiliters by five. Okay. There's some other communes that are really strict, it's five centiliters, and uh, the microbreweries that are under those communes, it's not worth their while to do tastings. That's basically the size of a nip of whiskey, which basically. Shame, yeah. Yeah. And it's tough because for us, like, it's, it's, it's so important uh, for us to be able to meet our customers, mm. you know, and describe the beer and let them taste it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's uh, that uh, and the beer festivals are the only times really we get to see the customers. Mm. Otherwise, it's system belog it and, well, the pubs and restaurants, if we're in there, we can talk mm. about it. But, you know, best opportunity really is a beer tasting. Mm. Who, who buys your beer, do you think? Yeah, that's a good question. Like, we're quite popular locally, uh, and you'll get that. You know, people people want to support local business, mm. and that's great. Uh, but then, yeah, I don't know. Word of mouth. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's very hard to know. Mm. Um, I'm sure some people, you know, they kind of just latch onto labels when they're going around System Balaga. Oh, I like that label. Mm. But uh, hopefully they like the taste of it as well. I'm reminded of that thing when you were saying that uh, you have to have the, the label for System Balaga. And yeah. one of the things with e-books, when you write books yeah. now, apparently the most important thing is the cover. It doesn't. The book could be absolute shite, yeah. right? But if you have a decent cover, people will click on it and buy it for three it's euros important. or whatever. You know? it, yeah. um, in terms of that, you mentioned that your brother was very involved yeah. with home brewers back yeah, in yeah. Ireland. Yeah. And that. Is there, in that word of mouth thing, are there magazines, websites, yeah. Facebook groups that you need to be seen in in order to be yeah, successful? Yeah, well, we, do, we don't pay for influencers, but like they, they have a lot, a lot of say as well. The These bastards. <laughs> So, have uh, you ever had a discussion with them about money? Or uh, like yeah, you, you, no, well, I, I, we, we don't have budget for that at all. Yeah. You know, you, you meet some people and they, they're they happy to kind of do a job and they want money for it. But like, no, we, we don't entertain that at all. Yeah. So w- Would you? If it, like if budget wasn't an issue, would that be a uh, temptation? I, I don't know. Like really, I, the whole social media thing, I'm not, I struggle with it. Yeah, yeah. So like uh, I try to keep uh, Instagram up today. Facebook is kind of linked to Instagram. So I just kind of post in one place. And it all but, goes, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like, uh, <clears throat> no, I, I'm, no, I think it's better to uh, word them out yeah. and, and go, out, go out and meet people. I think that's the best, best yeah. form. Yeah. Will you be out on the road now all summer going to these music festivals and yeah, folk well, festivals? Yeah, well, not too many. Like, we've, we've kind of stared away from the big festivals because it was just, it's too expensive and it's too much work, really, yeah. you know. But uh, we go to the smaller ones. So uh, we have Adelson uh, the week before uh, midsummer. 
we were talking about Irish connections. I forgot we have one other Irish person heavily involved, and it's um, Connor up in uh, Uppsala Brigus. Oh, very good. So yeah. yeah, so there's actually four four uh, brewers. Four different, yeah. That'll be next week's podcast. There you go. <laughs> very nice guy. But he's uh, <coughs> we're going to his. Uh, he has a beer festival at the beginning of July, first of July, I think. Yeah. And then there's a barbecue festival in uh, with Brisket and Friends in August. Yeah. Uh, and then we're down to Malmo for the Great Swedish Beer Festival in um, October. Mm. And that's that's a great festival. That's 100 Swedish microbreweries <coughs> in the one location. Yeah, Dermot was telling me about that before. Fantastic. It's an amazing Fantastic. opportunity. Yeah, 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 it really like. is. Really and again, can you sell the strong beers down there? Can yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they're, uh, see, once once we're in the festivals, it's um, mm. um, we're under license. Yeah, and you can do what you like. Yeah, so like... Uh, but like, it, it tends to be in the festivals that uh, people are after, they, they want to taste they want the small like that. They, yeah, they're not going around with pints because they, they want to taste all the beer that's there. Yeah, and there's a hundred breweries to try out. Like There's a lot of breweries. And then uh, you, you'll, you'll see some people, they find their favourite fairly quick and they'll be back up again, you know. But, uh, <laughs> a, good, a good few years ago, I think I was only just after moving over here when they had Earl Festival and over yeah. somewhere in Natka, uh, you know. Yeah. I remember going to that the first time and Jesus, it was like the Battle of the Somme, you know. People wandered around with pint glasses out of their minds, yeah, like, yeah, you know. Yeah. But this is a bit more of a discerning crowd. They want to go and taste different yeah. kinds of malts yeah, and hops. Yeah, and well, uh, Natka can get a bit out of hand like you've whiskey tasting going on at the same time so and then you, you just see there's all these ordnings back there all these bouncers knocking around you yeah. know, okay now I understand why all you people are here <laughs> kind of thing you know no, I do good fun the festivals they are good fun yeah like you have a great mixture there with like the beers and the, the, the music and the food you know mm. it all goes together so when you talk to your customers when people come mm. in here to you on mm. leading uh, and they want to buy a bit of folk that kind of thing yeah. this Swiss tourist was here this morning yeah does it make any difference at all that you are Irish? Can you sort of play on the Guinness tradition and go, yeah, we know this, this is part of our DNA, or is it fucking useless? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm sure for some people, they probably think you know what you're talking about because you're Irish. <laughs> <laughs> you have a beard, you're Irish, you're yeah, bound yeah, to know what they're doing here. Kind but, of thing, uh, yeah. No, like, uh, I'm quite sure they know I'm Irish. Like, I, I speak a bit of Swedish, but like with an accent. So, like, mm-hmm. yeah, but, um, no, I, I don't think it makes a huge difference. When no. b- mostly when people come in they're looking for something you have to find what kind of beers they like normally and then kind of fix it towards that you know Yeah. not everybody likes a stout uh, not everybody wants an IPA you know so yeah. like the, the most popular drinks tend to be like the light coloured lager still Yeah. you know you have the Poseidon stout over your yes. shoulder there in the yeah, fridge yeah, yeah. when you're doing that is yeah. it right I want to make something as close to Guinness as possible or do you want to get as far away from it as possible and well, still be stout you know like I kind of grew up on Guinness but like it's um and I love a stout, but that's uh, we we did one actually for um, St Patrick's Day mm. uh, for the uh, embassy their their reception, and that was a stronger version of this. And then we brought it down to three point five, so mm. we could sell it directly from the brewery. Oh, pretty good. So that label is actually uh, that's not uh, John from Belfast. That's actually a sixteen-year-old girl from Bagaby here on Lidinger. Oh wow! So she went into uh, Miller's Gordon and started drawing this the statue. Yeah, and uh, uh, I know her. Uh, uh, her father so he showed it to me and I was there geez that, that could work on a label yeah. so uh, and of course it's kind of uh, tapping into the local market here yeah, yeah. so uh, we thought we'd go with that and then uh, of course with labels we have to check now we know we have to check would it be okay to uh, to uh, to use it I mm. thought it's a drawing of a statue it must be okay but we checked with Millis Gordon they were okay then we were told that uh, Jotteborg Gottenberg yeah that's their statue on oh. the main avenue yeah so we were in contact with uh uh, Gothenburg started and uh, thankfully they said okay but they want to get uh, some samples to taste oh so no <laughs> doubt <laughs> I could see where that was coming from a mile off so like. we were okay for a, a year they said to that, use it. that's alright then we'll yeah, see you again like, you know, we, we, we yeah, might need yeah, another yeah, few yeah. samples exactly, again before exactly. we make this decision yeah, yeah. so sometimes it works that way when you look into the future Ivan because mm. like you mentioned there that okay this is it's a facility that like at the yeah. moment now it's floor to ceiling because yeah, there's yeah. so much beer going yeah, yeah. to sit down below and that yeah. kind of thing what sort of a future do you see in this for yourself because yeah. it is difficult to turn a profit and then yeah. the thing I, when I went freelance I think it was 2009 I found myself reinvesting money to beat yeah. about new yeah, cameras yeah. new microphones yeah, yeah, yeah. new new projects travelling here invest 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 like you sure. know can you ever see you know a point in the next in the short the medium term where you're yeah. going okay I can take a good solid wage out of this yeah. now and I can breathe out I don't have this yeah, pressure yeah. on me yeah. all the time no yeah hopefully that's that's the plan uh, like we we've come this far and it's a case of kind of okay to taking the next step and mm. uh, for us like it has to get closer to, to actually serving our own beer that's where you that's, see that, the that's that's where we'd like to go with like, it. A yeah. like a tap Joe room like a tap room like a real like a real tap room to 
to be able to to serve the big the big like pints yeah. of our stuff. So what's holding us back at the moment is that uh, to, in order to do that here in Sweden, we need a, a restaurant. Basically, you yeah. have to be able to serve food, proper food, like yeah. not a, uh, you know a pie or something like that. They'll want. You know, your Ch- chicken in the basket as it used yeah, to be in yeah, nightclubs yeah, in Ireland. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> passing around the one TV. Yeah, uh, no, like, they, yeah, they want three main courses, three starters, three three desserts. So, like, they, they want it. It's, so yeah, that's, they're that's they're very hard on, on yeah. the food part of it. What's and stopping you from doing that at the moment? Is it just. It's, it's space, actually, with this lo- location space. Yeah. So, like, behind me, yeah, you can see an oven, but, like, that's the oven you'd have in your apartment or your, yeah, your yeah. house, you know. So, like. Um, then there's all sorts of ventilation. Yeah, that comes there, there is, yeah. Like, it's just. To be a big investment for us, and that's where we're kind of looking for, yeah, someone to come in and help us along with that. Yeah. You know, would you, would you like to have somewhere here in Leading Arrow within a stone's throw of the brewery uh, here kind of thing, or it it, <coughs> it could be into town as well. You know, yeah. it really it, we kind of Leading is still a tough enough tough nut to crack from the point of view that a lot of people here like uh, uh, they like the wine. You know, there's there's a bit of a reputation about about Lidinger. But uh, it's wine sales are more than beer sales. And when you walk into the system blog, you can see that there's um, different stores, different styles of stores within mm. system blog. And here on Lidinger, it's more focused on wine. Yeah. So so like when it comes to bars, we, do, we don't have that many bars here on, on Lidinger. So, yeah. so like maybe uh, to take that next step, we'd have to look more going into town. Would you be better off on Souther or Kung's Holman or that kind of thing here yeah, in Stockholm? Th- well, yeah, I, I'm... I'm kind of open to anywhere at all in Stockholm, really, you know, mm. but like for sure, there's a great buzz around Southers, you know. Yeah. You know, when you walk around there, especially now during the summer, it's a fantastic place to be. Yeah. You know, really. Would that be another, like, I'm just thinking to you, mm. as business people, we tend to have a, like, you know, obviously, there's no problem that we can't make bigger by investing yeah, yeah. in something else, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, but would that be a situation where you'd like to bring in somebody and say, okay, open up a Keynes brew pub? But they they run that. You just give them the beer and let them get on with it, kind of thing. It it could be like that. Mm. You know, if they're willing to take take um, uh, take care of the food side of it. Mm. I've I've no background or no experience with the food, so that that's not really what I burn for. You know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really the the brewing side of it, producing the beer and running the bar that I could do. You know, yeah. And like the equipment that we have, that's sufficient. Like on on this level, you know, we could be brewing a lot more than we do. You reckon? Yeah, yeah you yeah, could actually sort yeah. of keep a pub ticking over there. We could, of thing. course. Like we've. Um, Six six big fermenters here and a bright beer tank as well. So, yeah, you know that's not an issue. In terms of consumers in Sweden, right? You know yeah. the way, like you know, somebody goes into an Irish bar and they go, oh, "Point yeah. to Guinness." Oh, we don't yeah. have Guinness, but we have Poseidon Stout. Yeah. So I don't want that. I want Guinness. No, no, no. Do you yeah. think they would actually go in and say, "Well, fuck it, I'll have a Poseidon Stout"? Are people uh, that? T- yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky because uh, not not. A, I'd say the majority of people did still want their their Guinness or their Carlsberg. Yeah. You know, but there are there are quite a few and more people growing that. Um, are willing to try something new. Yeah. You know, and, th- and th- that's what the part that we're after. The problem, um, it's not just in Sweden. I think it's with, you know, back in Ireland as well. It's like uh, a lot of the uh, the bars and restaurants, they're, they're effectively owned by the breweries or, yeah, or yeah. the drinks distributors. Like, yeah. you know, it's very hard to break in there. Uh, but we're lucky. We've, uh, you know, maybe five, 5% that uh, are willing to take in our stuff. Yeah. And that's great. Yeah. You know. And for due to even Martin, like in, in verse numbers, he's he's bought in our stuff over the years. So Smart, Martin is yeah. the greatest living Irishman, bar none. You know, like ever since the demise of poor old John yeah. Hume, you know, he's yeah. just a fantastic yeah. bloke to have. And um, when what's the reaction from Martin? Does Martin come to you and say, "Look, I've been this sold really, really well," or yeah. "This is still sitting here. Can you take it back?" Is it a no, sale no. and return basis, or how does it work? No, generally, like we we well, what I do is like I make contact with the bars mm. and I tell them, "Okay, this this is the range of beers we have. We have this this is." The new beer we have this month mm. uh, are you interested and then uh, what tends to happen is it's it's uh, it's all rotational taps yeah so like you could do very well one month and you, you sell a lot into town next month you won't do much business at all mm. because it's the next microbrewery or you know yeah yeah and and then a month later then you're you're <coughs> back in again and that that's the the market we work with yeah and like there's new places popping up from time to time and that's great to see uh and then there's uh, other places that are effectively like free houses. They can decide themselves what they're taking in. Yeah. Know? And they tend to be the places where we sell most most of our beer. Is it hard to convince them to take you in? Uh, not really. Like we'd go along with samples, and we'd. It's it's harder. It's it, the hardest thing is actually just to meet them at the right time. You know? Is because, it? Yeah. yeah. You can't show up on a Friday or a Saturday when they're flat out. You know. So <laughs> so you want to catch them early in the week, but they tend to be. Uh, yeah. It's it's hard. Hard to just really to find that little spot in exactly, the calendar. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But then you get to know them. And yeah. uh, you have either, yeah, you have mail contact or phone contact with them, and then it's a little bit easier to go in and meet them. Mm. 
and then yeah generally samples they know themselves what's going to work for them they do yeah they, they, do, they have a fair idea they yeah. know they know in, in five years' time, if I come in here, yeah. is Ronan still head of security? Are you still yeah, the chief well, brewer? Are you still here or have you moved into some huge place? Yeah, God, God knows. Uh, like, production could be still here. But uh, no, I, I'd like to think we've kind of gone into the kind of uh, brew pub concept mm. that we've moved there. That together with someone else, or perhaps we're doing it ourselves, but like uh, we're able to kind of brew and sell our own beer. Yeah. Sell, sell it on site would be great, you know. With the, I, th- I think for people to come into a place and to see, like, okay, that's the brewery there, like, okay, and we're tasting the beer here, can it be better, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, the thought of it is actually annoying me now because I'd love to buy a bunch of this stuff and just yeah. bring it home with me, yeah, but yeah. you can't sell it yeah. to me, like you know. So, <laughs> but I go to sit down and annoy those bastards instead, like you there know. There you go. Um, you mentioned earlier on there a little bit about hopefully, hopefully being able to yeah. take on staff and that yeah, kind of yeah, thing yeah. in the future. Yeah. Are you one of these people who sits there with like you know a five-year plan with every like you know you you have to be very precise when you're brewing yeah. a beer? Have yeah. you the same thing for the business, or are you just sort of yeah. put your finger up in the air? You're and kind of it? you're looking three to six months ahead. I think that's yeah. that's what that's the way it is. But like it's um, see, staff is the hardest thing with um, like I'd love to be able to take someone on now, but it, it's so expensive to employ people here. Yeah, yeah. You know, really with with um, and like of course that's good for for employees that are so well looked after, but mm. for small businesses, very very difficult. It's a huge you know, responsibility. It really is, like, yeah. You know, but uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. Like now we're kind of open a little bit more during the summer for for tastings and that. But yeah. uh, I I'm still at the point where. I need to do it myself. Yeah, so you can't bring in somebody to do not that. At like all. No, no, no. The fifteenth of June, the Swedish Irish Society are coming here for the first yeah. time. Hopefully, yeah, yeah, yeah. what can they expect when they get here? Yeah, so like uh, they'll arrive here, uh, and they'll sit right in the middle of the brewery. Yeah, uh, and I'll bring them through a little bit more than what we've discussed here. Give them a little bit more information. Yeah, they'll see for themselves like where we're brewing the beer. They'll be able to touch and taste the, the ingredients that go into the beer and then uh, yeah we'll make sure to look after them well and make sure to give them a, a good tasting of all the beers we have and if they want anything up to three and a half percent they can bring it they, home with them they can bring it home with them absolutely other than yeah. that it's system other than that, system belongers, yeah. do you have a website or anything where people we can have uh, yeah I have a website that's kind of fairly up to date uh, it wouldn't be the best at keeping that in place but um but Instagram and Facebook are the best places. They're the best places. To, yeah, to, to get hold of me. We shall include them in the show notes. And of course, if anybody wants to organise a beer tasting, your former colleagues at Ericsson yeah. or any of the other, you know, board beer want to come yeah. out here, they just yeah. need to get in touch with you and come out here. Absolutely. Ivan, Absolutely. Thanks no very much for having me here. Thanks, Phil. Thank you. Close by, we found this bar packed with Dubliners and visitors. For many tourists, a trip to the pub is part of the Irish experience. I think the Irish in general go to the pub because it's the fun place to be, it's where their friends are, um, it's, it's following a culture that's gone on for, for years and years. So I'm not here for the drinking culture, I'm here on business, but I'll come back. <laughs> I'll come back on holiday and uh, I'll have a view. You're a very wise man. About when was that? It must be 30 years ago since that BBC report was filmed in Dublin about drinking culture and what the government was trying to do about it at the time. And uh, things have changed a lot over the years. Uh, drinking culture, if you're looking for that in Stockholm, of course you need to be going to Veerstrom's pub. And it's very easy this time of the year, lads, to be thinking, well, now Veerstrom's is a lot of cellar rooms and that kind of thing. No, no, you can sit outside there as well. Get there early every day when Martin is pulling up the shutters and get yourself a seat outside in the sunshine in Gamla on and laugh at the tourists as they go by paying way over the odds for tat when you could be drinking Ivan Keane's beers and have maybe a pint of stout or a pint of Odin or whatever you're having yourself in there with man always drink responsibly of course I wouldn't be recommended the drinking to excess given that I don't do that anymore myself either uh, that is it for this week there is um, there's a little bit of a uh, a list of guests coming up which is fantastic because especially now coming into the summer um, what I want to try to do is try to get as many people as possible to talk to me over the next couple of weeks and maybe we'll have a sort of a bank built up so now all they have to do every week is to just you know stick a little intro in there about what's going on in the community stick a little outro in there like this one and then we're done so uh, if anybody does have a story to tell and they fancy telling it to me before they go on their holidays get in touch with me uh, and uh, we'll make sure to get that story told I will tell you that towards the end of June if there's anybody down below in Gothenburg listening to this 
Uh, my birthday is at the end of June and my eldest daughter, Saoirse, she is graduating as well. So as a thing, as a father-daughter road trip thing, because she's graduating, we'll be probably moving to another town for university. We're going to go down to the fine city of Gothenburg on the west coast there and we're going to see Bruce Springsteen on the 28th of June. So if anybody's down there then, we might come down a little bit early and sure we might chat to some of the Gothenburg Irish as well. And sure if you're going to the gig there, sure we might stand beside one another or maybe have a drink or a bite to eat or something beforehand. Yeah, so we will be out on the road over the next little while. But as I say, do get in touch if you have a story to tell, because uh, I want to get as many of them into the dictaphone and into the various different machineries and gizmos that we have here. That is it for now. Don't forget to look in the show notes and you'll find a couple of the links to Ivan's Instagram and to his Facebook. Get the orders in now. Of course, you have the uh, the lads in Slangness as well there and you have Dermot down the south. So get your orders in there now for Midsummer Afton. You'll have a few days off there or at least a day off anyway over Midsummer Afton. And then just get the, the few beers in the fridge now because we're into barbecue season and that kind of thing. And then, of course, you know, as Ivan was saying there, towards the, the autumn you'll have different things. The red ales will be back in the IPAs and all. All those kind of things that I don't know anything about or I wouldn't have known anything about if I hadn't talked to Ivan. So that is it for this week. I will all that remains is to say to you to take care of yourself in the first instance. Take care of one another as a very close second and I will be back to you again next week with another episode of the Irish in Sweden podcast on the Our Man in Stockholm podcast feed. Be well. Mm-hmm.